when you went and decided to start this thing in the US, which is obviously a big market, what, in your heart of hearts, what was the probability of success? Probability. <laughs> Probably not that high. <laughs> two, two, two Aussies taking on, you know, the, the US 3PL market. But look, it, you know, it all makes sense when you say it like that. I mean, what are the chances that could possibly not work? All right, so where are we going to start? Let's let's start at the top. Not even with who you are. We'll do that later. <laughs> and some bona fides so that we can prove you actually know what you're talking about. But what is this Fulfillmate, the most Australian named business in the history of American businesses? Um, so Fulfillmate started a, a good friend of mine and a um, mate that I went to uh, university. We did our MBAs together at Deakin. Grew up in Melbourne. Um, he met an American girl and married her, had kids over in San Diego, and has been living there for a number of years. Good luck to him. And um, we always wanted to do, do something in business together. Yep. So um, when the opportunity came, I stepped out of the corporate world. We, we started to look for ideas, and um, I suggested to him that it would be a great idea to get into logistics. So he's not from logistics. No. He's from marketing. <laughs> marketing and background. This is Steve. We're talking about Steve. Yes. So you've got logistics. He's got marketing. You come together. You study together. You've got a really strong relationship. Goes back some years. Um, he's got a presence in the US. He's been there for a little while. He's worked out the the lay of the land. He's based in San Diego. Yes. Yeah. And you decide you you know the the world's aligned, and you come up with fulfill mate again. Like I say, the most Aussie named American <laughs> business in history. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So how what what does it what does it do? Let's start from the top. Fill me in what Fulfillmate actually does. Let me get my head around this because we haven't spoken in a while. Yeah. So the, the main bread and butter, I guess, of our business is three PL fulfillment storage distribution. So fulfillment is stop. Explain three PL to someone who's never heard that. The third party logistics. So three PL is really when a company outsources their warehousing and transport distribution to a third party so um, I've got a business I'm good at that but I'm not I don't know how to deliver anything I outsource it to someone who does that for me yeah, who has a warehouse has trucks you know and and that's what they do so um, and, and fulfillment as a term is really uh, the, the process of taking an order and fulfilling that uh, through picking it out of a warehouse and mm-hmm. then shipping it to the end customer. Okay. And companies do this themselves or at the start, and as they get bigger, they'll generally require, they'll obviously need a 3PL for transport to deliver their products, but as they get bigger and bigger, they need warehousing and they need people who are experts at that or else, well, they're usually not very good at it. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of our customers start, or a lot of them in e-commerce start as as startups, you know, yeah. literally out of their basement, garage, yeah. you know, living room, the dream, packing boxes, the dream, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, I've done it. It's fun, and uh, <laughs> you know, at some point, m- most of them realise fairly quickly that once they're getting to twenty orders a day, thirty orders a day, uh, that you know, spending six, seven hours packing boxes and shipping them, and then dealing with the all the ins and outs of that is distracting them away from what they need to be doing, which is selling more product. So that's a that's lot. What they're good at. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of customers that we talk to are at that point. Okay, so I want to separate for a moment in this discussion because there's, there's, there's a lot there's a lot to get to, and my head already hurts thinking about it. But the overarching thing that makes sense to me here, because we have tried, we considered doing a couple of these things ourselves you know, shipping products to the US or trying to launch into the US from Australia or even into Asia as well, but that was even more scary. But And it just looked like a labyrinth of difficulty trying to get an Australian product. And we didn't have, like, we didn't have anything serious. Like, we're talking small stuff. But to get an Australian product, to even know where to start to approach the US, you know, 330, 350-person market, it was too hard and we didn't have the time dedicated to it but it would have been too hard anyway so this is the thing like above all with this fulfillment business is that you're helping Aussie businesses get their products to the US explain how you do that 
Yeah, so the, the, the fulfillment, as I said, is a bread and butter. The, the, the other part of our business is just growing every day is we sort of, when we started the business, we, we, we thought, oh, we're gonna take on, you know, get all these massive clients in the US and it's gonna be great, we'll make all this money. And um, <laughs> as often happens, as you learn, we, we actually started to realize that we've got a very unique, um, not only skill set, but with our background being Australian, that we were getting leads from our, our previous life contacts mm. about, um, you know, oh, this brand, I know this person with the brand, they, they want to go to the US or mm. they're thinking about it, can you help? And so we started realizing that this advice, what we call business advisory, but we started basically specializing trying mm. to specialize in helping australian businesses get to the states and be successful yes we still chase the the, the u.s clients and have many of them but we haven't found any evidence of any other two australian guys in in the u.s with a fulfillment business that help you know are passionate about seeing australian brands in, in the u.s and be successful so a couple of Aussie blokes decide to get together. Think you're gonna take on the local market, and you are, like you're growing, and we'll talk about how you're growing in a moment and where you're located, but you realize you've got this potential niche, which is really where the magic is, of Australian businesses looking to make a play into the US yeah. with no idea how. And like I said before, I've tried it on a small scale, it's a nightmare, like honestly, it is, it's, it's, it's like a labyrinth, you don't even know where to start. <laughs> So how, where are you located now in the US? Where have you set up? So we've got a site in San Diego, uh, a site in Tampa, and a site in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, so, so basically- All the entry points e on the south. Uh, west, east coast and west coast. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that basically, the country's so large and with so much population on the east coast and west coast strips of the edge of the, of the countries. Um, you really have to be on both sides to 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 be able to leverage the right shipping costs and lead times to your customers. And what about when it hits land? Then how how difficult is distribution once it hits the ports compared to here, for argument's sake? Uh, it's pretty it's pretty similar in that regard. And there's a lot of you know, particularly in the last few years, been a lot of issues around you know, certain ports like LA, <laughs> yeah, Long Beach, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. huge delays, but. Um, the process is pretty consistent now. Uh, so, you know, San Diego is an hour and a half, you know, LA port down to there is an hour and a half to our site, so it's not, it's not that far. Um, Charleston has its own port and Tampa has a port as well. So, uh, yeah, we're located okay from, from that basis. Will you end up anywhere else? Uh, yeah, well, we'd like to. Um, in the US, because of the Amazon effect, uh, Everyone that goes online and orders, it, you know, expects it in a certain amount of time. So if you're trying to distribute from one location in the US, it's not like Australia where you can hit, you know, you can be in Sydney, hit Brisbane in a day, Melbourne in a day, and that's about 90% of the population. <laughs> uh, you know, um, there's 40 million people in California, but on the East Coast is 220 million people. So, um, to be able to get within two to three day shipping, mm -hmm. you you really need, you know, to, to have some other locations. So maybe one day. Maybe one day. I'm interested you mentioned the Amazon effect. That's it's obviously it's changed regardless of where you are. That's changed the way the expectation on shipping is. Yeah. Um, now whether that's sustainable or not is another question. But let's say that's how it is today. We look at it as it is. Do you, do you find customer service issues with three or four day delivery or whatever it might be versus? No, I think it... Or people just they accept? Well, I think it's about being upfront with your, your customers. Like we, you, you can, depending on what you want to spend, you can get stuff anywhere overnight in the US or it can take, the slower service can be up to, you know, six, six, seven days from one side of the country to the other. So it's, um, some of our products are, are low value items, they might be supplements, they're online, they're subscriptions, mm -hmm. and they just tick over, so it really doesn't matter. Yep. Cheapest of the best, doesn't matter if it takes a week. Yep. Um, 
but a lot of customers have to have to offer both a, just a standard service and then a priority service, and yeah. then they let the customer choose. Get what you pay for. And I think uh, just talking about Amazon, I mean, it, it, it's also very difficult to articulate to Australian people and business owners how big Amazon actually is and how, it, like in Australia, it's sort of it's there. Everyone knows what it is. Yeah. But it is the go-to place for almost everything online. Yeah. Even if you hear about a product, most people will go and use it as a search tool. So a lot of companies, you know, that's another part of our business that we do is set up Amazon stores for people. Oh yeah. Because, um, and, and a lot of Australian companies are, are sort of resistant and say, oh no, we don't want it to be on there because it degrades, you know, they'd see it as a lower level. But, you know, they've got a huge amount of hits. It's like something like, three or four hundred million hits you know orders per day or people visits per day so it, in the US it's just a normal thing like no one looks at Amazon and says oh no it's no good yeah okay um, so so like if I might say if I'm looking something up I'm gonna Google it if someone goes looking for any product it's like oh check Amazon yeah is that sort of the comparable yeah. what you think it might be yeah and there's some big brands that have stores on <laughs> on Amazon it's not it's not just for cheap you know, items volume and anymore and uh, anymore, yeah, and you know, counterfeit items. <laughs> and, and we've actually had people that have gone to get investors, um, you know, because when we put them in touch, we, we know people and we we can help. This is part of what we do to help people is we we have our networks and you leverage them and you you know all kinds of people, manufacturers, distributors, um, and people with investment looking for investment opportunities. And one of the first things they say is, well, how, how much are you selling mm-hmm. today? How much are you selling on Amazon? How much, you know, and, and so if you're, it's almost the reverse of it is if you, you, you're not seen as legitimate if you're not on Amazon. Is that because the metrics are clearer? Like they can actually see real sales and not made up? Um, yeah, maybe to a degree, but it's, it's, it's just entrenched. The size of, in, the, of the... In American culture, it's just that they've... So it's a good lesson. If I'm an Aussie business, and I want to sell product in the US, you're telling me, as far as you can tell, you have to be on Amazon. Yeah, it's, part, it's got to be part of the strategy. Okay. Um, that, don't get me wrong, they take a lot of the money, so it's more of a volume play. I mean, we, Steve and I have, have owned products and brought products to market, so it, you know, we, we do actually know what, not only the fulfillment side, but what it takes to get a product to market, mm-hmm. and it's hard, it's really hard. Um, and Amazon can take a massive cut out of it. What kind of cut? I mean, can you say? I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's they they're taking over fifty percent of what you're making. So it's hang on, hang on. Fifty percent of revenue or fifty percent of margin? Uh, oh, margin. Yeah. I was going to say that you basically like everything. So it take fifty percent of any margin. Okay. Well, well you know, the, well, it, you know, if it's they've got high. all the eyeballs, man. If they've got all the eyeballs. A bit like an Apple App Store, you know. Like if they've got if they've got all the traffic, that's that's where well, you're so if go. You, you can't have a, you can't have one strategy or other. So if you're going to sell a thirty dollar product that you're you're making for five dollars or something like that, and you, you sell it online yourself, you're taking a lot of that. Maybe yeah. minus the shipping, you might be making twenty dollars, fifteen, twenty dollars yeah. out of it. And on Amazon, you might be making five. Okay, but but you get to. A hundred million times more. Items. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's got to be part of the strategy. Okay. So that's good advice. If you if you wanted to sell in the US, you have to very seriously consider being on Amazon. Um, and that's something that I, I wouldn't have it wouldn't have immediately come to mind to me. Uh, like you say, I, I I can. It's hard to picture the size of it. Like I can't actually get my arms around how big that business actually is when I when I really think about it. Um, okay. So if I'm an Aussie business. Let's get down to brass tacks here. If I'm an Aussie business and I have a product, product A, pick a product. Something you've Sunglasses. Done. Sunglasses, excellent. I've got a sunglass brand. It's doing okay here. There's, a, there's some volume. It's making a profit. I can see, I'm good at social media. I, I think I can put together a bit of a campaign in the US, micro influencers, whatever it might be, get a bit of a buzz about the brand but I have no idea how to get the bloody stock out there and get it shipped. Right? Yeah. And all my margin to get eaten by trying to do it internationally myself. So what can a person with this sunglass brand, where do they start with you 
to make it worthwhile them undertaking this sort of venture, trying to take on the big whale. Yeah, I think our, we start with companies um, and, and depending on where they're at in their sort of stage of their, their brand and their company. The example you gave, Sunglass Company, you know, selling a couple of million dollars worth of stock here. Yep. Um, and they're looking for the, the next thing and they want to consider an external market. Uh, the US, a, a lot of them are, are scared in sort of the same sort of things you're talking about, like what's it going to cost me? Do I have to go over there? Do I have to be on the ground? Do I have to employ people there? Yeah. Um, what's, what is the regulations? Like there's all of these things that happen. So the first thing that we, we take people through is you know, market research, but I'm not talking about $100,000 consulting, mm. you know, market research. I'm mm -hmm. just talking about basic, like, how many other competitors, you know, sell their product? What are they selling it for? Who's comparable? Um, if, if you're selling sunglasses for $100 Australian, then, you know, who are you really competing with? You're not competing with people who are selling Pradas for 400 Yeah. Um, what kind of price can you get? We have a lot of customers are finding, uh, we've had we have customers that are selling their products for $70 Australian mm -hmm. and $70 American. Yes. And obviously at the moment, bump, a, bit of a, bump, <laughs> a pretty decent bump. You know, so they've actually, they've started with something that's fairly small and now they're saying, actually we're tipping more money into the US because in, into advertising Australian business ticks along because we're, we're making a lot more money out of the US sales and it's becoming 30, 40, up to 60, 70% of our business now. Yeah, yeah. So, but you've got to understand, you can't just say, oh, we'll just charge the same. So it's, it's that kind of uh, research. Um, and, and you're happy to help to do that? Yeah, so in, you know, we, we have our own views and what we can do, we have, uh, partners that you know are already in some of these spaces marketing agencies distributors other people that you can sort of talk to without spending too much money um, I think one of the problems that we've found that we we, are, we offer a lot of this stuff for nothing because um, <laughs> in the states every time you talk to someone they want money and usually park that comment well yeah. I want to dig into that a bit later but so you're offering this for nothing so that's a, that's a value add you're offering as a value add yeah. and, and a relationship builder because we it's not a secret we we, we want to get companies into the US because that benefits our fulfillment business yes. so we're not going to sting people up front just to, to for giving advice yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it goes on to you know what's the taxes on your product What's the, what, are the, what are the tariffs? What are the duties? What are the customs requirements? Um, you know, there's some products that have anti-dumping. There's some products that, you know, need specific labels. They might have F FDA, don't yeah, need to yeah. be FDA, FDA regulated. So they fall into a category there that they might not hear for yeah. argument's sake. Yeah. So we, we have, a, you know, a customs broker and in-house international people that, that can work through that. We have... Um, a label compliance person that she just you know she's an expert in that so taking a label of skincare and saying well that's great in Australia what needs to be on the product label for the US so that that's sort of in that whole bucket of market research and and finding out as much as you can um, so some of its market research and some of it some of it is just the knowledge of you being there that you just can only have by doing a few years yeah, you know, like you just and you've made the mistakes, so someone else doesn't have to pay for them. Like you've learned the hard way, and yeah. someone else could learn the easy way. And the other, and then what we we help put in touch with people. So we we've got a good relationship with Austrade. We've got a good relationship with the Victorian government um, people. We've got uh, Grant, a company called Grant Help. They you know facilitate government grants because Australian government um, as opposed to a lot of other governments are, are really good at, at helping mm. businesses to particularly export I mean they 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 offer you know $80,000 a year without 
too much qualification. So we've got connections with people to put in touch with, with people um, to, to help with yeah. the process. Yeah. It's not just me sitting here saying, oh, this is what I know. It's all about the, the networks and the introductions. But you, you're saying it's not even just like, just send it over here and we'll distribute it for you, right? That, and which which in, would be a, a valuable service in itself. So if I'm thinking about getting my product over there, sunglasses for argument's sake, and I've got two, three, five thousand pairs and I'm like, well, they're not selling here, so I'll try it over there. Can you go and do it? Here you go. Yeah, right. and we do have that. I mean, some customers call us up and say, we know we want to go there, we we're going to invest, and we've heard about you guys, and we're sending, what do we need to do? Yeah. And I'll say, talk to Mark, our international guy, and he'll get the product to us, and we'll just start shipping. We can turn it on you know, within a few days. It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, they're, crazy, they're probably the exception. Yeah, yeah, but that's, what you're saying is, is that if someone decides today and their product fits a category that's not too difficult, is that they can get moving far quicker than they thought. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, we take care of a lot of that, particularly the fulfillment and distribution side. I mean, we have clients in that are local in the US that could call us today, send us the product the next day, and then be, we're shipping the next day. So it's that part of the process isn't actually that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the difficulty we have and why we're passionate about it is is trying to show people and, and Aussies that we have some really unique designed, really cool products um, that will definitely do well in the US. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> you know, it doesn't just happen by some miracle of, or by sending it over for, mo- for the most part. And it, say good luck, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So the fulfillment part is sort of the last bit that's easy and we say, well, by helping you through this part, it, we, we get this part. Yeah. This is fascinating. Um, I have questions. <laughs> right, so th- let's jump over to the US for a sec. So you've been there a few years, you've been there a few years now. I'm sure you were fine at the fulfillment because you've and, and the warehousing and all that you've done that for a very long time for very good companies but uh, I'm sure you made some mistakes what <laughs> you said at the start you had this picture in your head that you're going to take on these big companies and do and you know get all these amazing products through and whatnot how long or what what was the reality of that let's say six or 12 months in what kind of product categories were you getting through and what sort of customers were you getting Yeah, we we do a lot in the, what they call nutraceuticals space, so supplements, gummies, um, and it's a lot of volume play. It's a lot of subscription products, uh, and a lot of them they're great because they're high volume, uh, but they don't they're not really. Some of them are, as you say, the most fantastic products. Um, so we've sort of tried to, in, in trying to diversify and, and get other products, um, you know, we, we could probably be making more, you know, money and have more clients in that space if we really wanted to. Yeah. But I think with going back to the point with Steve and I from the start of wanted to run a business and run it a certain way. And we actually love the form of business, like the, the whole, you know, it, it, it makes us excited and to see products grow. So our, our sort of um, catch, you know, our, our company line, um, scale your business, fulfill your potential, really came about because we, we actually want, we don't just want clients to put over, send us a container of product and then go, that's great. We want them. We want them to send one, and then send two, and then send three, and have those stories where they come back and say, "Actually, I resisted the temptation to go over there. I thought it was all going to be too hard, and now it's sixty percent of my business." That that turns us on, for lack of a better word. That's so. I wish you had a better word. Um, <laughs> that would have been a good, a better choice. But no, I get it, and like I'm exactly the same. Like you're leaving possibility on the table to for long term amazingness like short term there's short term runs you can make as a business owner and you can like you say nutraceuticals and you know my understanding of the nutraceuticals market limited in the US is that it's patchy 
in its um, governance, <laughs> um, and that you know maybe not the most reliable industry in the world. And like you say, you can just keep pumping volume through, and probably through volume you get growth, and that's fine. But I see what you're saying. So the if in th- if in five years time. Okay, let me ask you the question. In five years' time, what's the mix of your clients geographically? Their ambitions, like, do you have a picture in your head of that, or have you not thought that far ahead? Um, well, as I said, this this part is growing, like this, and we, you know, we've spoken to customers. We've got a customer from the UK. Um, you know, we've got a lot of customers now, probably over a dozen at least from Australia, and that's growing every day. Um, and we've spoken to, to people in Asia as well. So, I mean, we would like to see where this goes and be sort of known as the, as the pathway to helping anyone really get, take on the US because it's, it's a huge, um, still the biggest economy in the world. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so, so the opportunities, are, you know, the, the the old thing about land of opportunity is true. Like you, you don't need a huge amount of sales to be successful or percentage of the market. And um, you need to put time and effort into it. But there's, there comes a point with places like Australia where you you reach a saturation yeah. level where the, 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 the increase is you have to put so much more money into it. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the... A lot of these cust- cu- companies as well. I mean, they a lot of people start up businesses wanting to sell them or wanting to you know get more investment, and so it, it's a lot more. We say to people, it's a lot more attractive if you're increasing your revenue. You're saying you're a global, you know, multinational mm. business. It's a lot more attractive for buyers and then investors for future expansion, and you're reducing you you're able to leverage your factories in india or china or wherever you're making it yeah. or even in australia some of them to make you're making more of it so it starts to become less cost so there's a lot of a lot of benefits to it well and then your pitch deck can have 350 new high value customers in it you yeah. know and like you say you, you you your valuation changes you can change very quickly okay let's park that for a minute your interest in the u.s goes back a fair way we've We've, we've many times in our lives have thought about an assault on the US and then you actually <laughs> decided to do it. Um, what are some of the things that surprised you about doing business in the US that you didn't expect? Like just on a, like at a micro level and then at a, maybe a regulatory level, what are some of the things that maybe shocked you even? Like, yeah, I think they still, there's still things that surprise me every day to be honest, but uh, I think Steve, Steve being there for you know, ten years. So he, I'd already had a bit of insight into yeah. how how it works. But I think it is a different. It is a, quite a different business culture that you don't really think of, and a lot of the mis, or one of the mistakes that we've sort of got into is Americans love to talk about what they're gonna do in, in business. Yeah. And some of them do, some of them don't, but they all say they will. And so we've we've had a lot of opportunities where and met a lot of people that have, you know, we've said, oh, well, we're going to put time and effort into this, and it's just never, nothing's ever come up. And and a lot, some of our clients have done the same. They've they've paid thousands and thousands of dollars to mm. the to people that have said they're going to explode their product, mm. and they haven't got one sale out of it after six months, and they've paid. 30, 40, 50 grand to these oh, yeah. people. So there's a lot of talk and, and it's hard to know who's going to act. Yeah, it's we have a fairly direct culture here. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we get into meetings and we want to get stuff done and particularly entrepreneurial business, small business owners that want to grow. They don't, don't have a lot of time to sit on the phone and just sort of talk around issues yeah they just want to know what's going on and so it's it's sort of another thing that we've learned as why we've cut sort of come back to Australia in a way and dealing with them because the, the time difference is quite difficult yeah um, and most people aren't going to stay up, stay up at 10 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday and talk to someone in Australia because they know that it's 
9am on a Monday morning and they need to get something done on Monday. Yeah. Um, we, we understand that, we've got families here, we, we, we've lived here, so we, we're used to doing that. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's one of the big things. The other thing that you sort of know but you don't realise how difficult it is, is the, the state structure. State by different state yeah. structures. So they're, they're, they are literally like mini countries, mini, miniature countries, yeah. um, and it, it it's called the United States of America for a reason. And they sort of unite on some things, but every state has different regulations, different rules, has different accounting, different legal. So you know we've got being in three states it's very different. We, we don't have an accountant that runs our business. We've got one in California, we've got one in South Carolina, one in Florida, Florida yeah. because they're different. You can't have, if you have a dispute, you can't have very few lawyers can practice. There's some reciprocal states, but you know, it's quite unique. So um, those kind of things, that that's, continues to surprise me how sound the same, look the same, feel the same, but Oh, wait, you can't do that here, you can do that there. Or the taxes in California are 6% and they're you know, zero in Delaware or something like, yeah, <laughs> something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So you, it's, it's part, it comes back to that part of having people on the ground that you know build knowledge, and, and, and you're trust building knowledge over time yeah. and you're building that network over time and you're going to take some wrong turns. You're gonna, you know, you you'll think someone's an answer to your question then you find out maybe a few months later they're not the answer at all. And, the fascinating part that everyone's got a little side hustle and like you say, everyone's gonna do this and gonna do that. Everyone's on, on the move. And um, I mean, listen, you know, we, we, we could spend five hours debating the pros and cons of the state of the United States, but there's one thing you can't take away from them. There's a lot of people having a go and trying to do things and it's just oh, incredible. I, I, those things aren't bad things. They're not criticisms. They're just, that. that's just- and Good to know. There's a lot of these little things that you you just don't understand unless you've been there. And even us being there for five years and 10 years, like there's still a lot to learn. We haven't been there. We're, we're talking to people that, have been, that are American. They live there their whole life. Yes. <clears throat> so, and I remember you were saying, this was, this was, I mean, it wasn't a surprise at all, but it was kind of a surprise. When you're setting up IT systems and you're setting up databases and you're doing that sort of thing right at the start, that there were, there were no universal providers. Every single thing had a layer. Your tech stack had five, six yeah. different suppliers. And it was that part was a nightmare to understand. A lot of middle people, middle wares, middle... Middle heirs. Yeah, middle, <laughs> middle men and women. Yep. Taking a clip out of every little... It, particularly, look, it's the industry, you know, each, each thing is a little bit different, but, but particularly that sort of, you know, gummies, e-commerce, like they're they're fired up to to make a buck um, and so <laughs> you know everyone wants to be in into everything you know I introduced you so I want a referral for you I want to get paid you know so there's a lot of that sort of stuff that goes on whereas in I feel like in Australia everyone sort of just has a go and if it pushes the friendship too much they might ask for something but if you're helping out someone that you know it's almost you just like a tip culture like yeah. on steroids it's like well I've done this for you so you know pay up my clip clip culture not tip culture clip <laughs> culture <laughs> no but look this is good to know and I'm sure like you say they're so, they're so diverse culturally diverse state by state that every state would have different ways of doing business as well like you know different 250 year customs that have developed and they're pretty entrenched what about, and this is just a wild question, do you, do you bump into unions? Do you bump into any of the... Um, not really. No, not in, not in our space. Not so far? N not, nothing like here. Um, and look, I think that's, we've talked about some of the negatives. I mean, some of the... I don't know that we're negatives. I just think they're or, or challenges, yeah. but but some of the positives are, you know, the, the scale of things. People, people do want to... Yeah, I might talk around things a little bit, but but generally people want to get stuff done. They want to they want to sell. You know, we've had clients that started their business, and within a week they're selling a thousand units a day. Like so, there are a lot of people. That so are, when it goes, it goes. There are a lot of people that are fired up to 
to either make money, take on the market, buy and sell businesses. So there's a lot of, you know, that sort of American entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism is really good if you can tap into it. It's just probably like anywhere, you, you've got to find the right people. Um, and if you do, that's right, but you can make a lot of mistakes. And that's what we try and sort of shorten for people is yeah. or eliminate is this is what we've already done. These are mistakes we've, we've already done. through 50 people to get to one, but this is the one and this is, this is you know, you don't have to go through 5,000 when yeah. you've got the one. No, it, it, it's, it's awesome. Like I say, if you sit, if you sit in front of me five, seven years ago when we were thinking about it, this, I, I would have just been like, let's go. Um, and the timing, but you know, timing is everything. Now, just a question on shipping. This is more so for interest in anything. I know you're not, shipping's not your, you know, um, the most thing that excites you most about your life, <laughs> but obviously 18 months ago, shipping was insane. The cost of shipping was off the charts and there were ships docked all around the world, like parked, yep. you know, ship ramping. Um, has that all alleviated now? Have the prices- uh, Mostly, they, They're yeah. right back down almost to where they were. Pretty much, yeah. And does shipping operate effectively as it would have been 2019, 18, 17, plus or minus? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I'd say so. I mean, it, that, there's little little things that happen, but I don't. It's not really a result of those things. Like uh, we've had product trying to go into Canada and to Vancouver and places like that that's been held up. But it's more specific port specific ports will have issues, which yep. has always at happened. any given time. Yeah. Um, but their whole network or, or global, you know, shipping world is is moving okay. Back to like average, you expect. Yeah, I mean, some customers are paying ten over ten thousand dollars for a box from China, and we're now paying a thousand. Kind of, so that's <laughs> a, a lot. That's of, a slight difference. Well, but it was a thousand, so it yeah. It's, so it's back down where it should be for the most part. Okay, that's 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 useful. And we talked about the actual logistics network. Pardon me, throughout the US, which is ludicrous just to say in inverted commas throughout the US, but. You know, the, the, you've you've spent a lot of time in the Australian road network, particularly mm -hmm. like you you've got a lot of experience in the Australian network. Is it just is it just a bigger version? Is it just similar to deal with? What are the weird little idiosyncrasies uh, that are different? They're, they're probably more mature uh, market in terms of the way freight is booked and managed is quite different to here. A lot more consolidators, a lot more brokers, a lot more middle people. Yeah. Um, is that just because of scale? Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't know whether it's because of scale or because of the exact reason, but for an example, if we want to send 10 pallets from one, from one place to another, then we, we've got a few different portals that we can go in and get pricing yeah um, because it's a, it fluctuates a lot more demand supply at an instant level whereas here a lot of people have a rate card and they ship they just ship stuff on a rate card and that might reset annually or yeah you know. and if it if the demand is really high well no I've got a rate card type thing whereas in the states you don't really have a rate card you have discounts more dynamic pricing so you've got your volume discounts that you'll get um, and that that's how you but, but every time you go on it can be it can be different in pricing but it's it's a bit more automated for lack of a better word where it's just systemized whereas you know you you put an order through and say I want this job and it, <clears throat> I want to select this carrier here's all the carriers here's all the costs here's the insurances here's what you need to do and then you click yes and it it takes care of the paperwork and and everything happens. Interesting. Um, so it's a little bit more less administrative than here. A bit more dynamic, more mature. Like you say, is the right word. Sounds uh, like yeah. That's best way I can reliable. describe it. Um, it. I don't know if that's any better or worse. Uh, I think there's a lot. There's, there's clearly a lot of different points, which is which is different to here. So from getting one side of the country to another, we send it from Sydney to Perth, it goes on a rail. Yeah. Um, 
and it stops in Adelaide and hard, then hard to get lost. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it's one one train, one this. You yeah. can send something in a train or get shunted through seven different rail yards and or you can send something on a truck and it might not necessarily get unloaded or it might, but there's more touch points along the way because no one's gonna drive, you know, two thousand kilometers from California to Florida. Um, so it it goes through hubs and, and different Location. There's just a, a lot more of it. Yeah. Because um, the other thing with the the geographic component of it is people, we, we grow up thinking these, you know, whether football teams or NBA teams or whatever, that these cities are big, they're massive. But most cities in, in the US are much smaller than Melbourne and Sydney. There's only two that are bigger than Melbourne and Sydney. LA and New York. Chicago. I don't think they're bigger than Melbourne and Sydney. So... Chicago is smaller than Melbourne and Sydney, I'm pretty sure. Um, by, by, by population, I'm going to look it up. So, doing it. just have the record note, I think I think it is. I think it would be about 8 million. But Metro Chicago, you've got to put in. Um, but there's like 50 Adelaides. Yeah, right, you got me there. I thought it was only LA and New York. Maybe all the people in New York moved to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago's a big place. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, but there's, you know, a lot of these cities are 1 to 1.5 million. Yeah, yeah. Under 2 million. Well, this million. was what I was stunned. I remember we were talking recently about Texas, that there's not one city in Texas that's bigger than 2 million people, basically. Really? Like, there's all, and there's 30 million, 29, 30 million people in the state. And I was trying to do the math. I'm thinking. Probably like 10 cities that are 1.5 million. Or, yeah. or 30 that are half a million. Yeah. Right? And, and you're just like, oh, it's just. It, it's like, do they get to one and a half million? Like historically, did they just get to one and a half million? And then they said, this place is full. Let's go and, you know, pioneer another city, another town. Yeah, I don't, it just feels I don't like know. that. And you look at the density across the country. It, it, it's fascinating to me. I mean, the US fascinates me. The whole um, rural versus city, like demographics, um, GDP per head, diversity in their economy. Like, you know, like we could spend some time on the shortcomings, but you're talking about the, the length of the democracy. Like, it's, 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 it's an it's a unbelievable country, and the fact that you're in there, you've opened three sites, you're competing in the local market. I'm sure the Aussie accent takes you some of the way. It certainly helps in some places. But you're making a dent. You've got local customers. You got Now you've got a bit of tenure. Um, you're in three places. You, now you're going and saying, well, let's take this niche because you, you've worked for companies based out of Asia, you've worked with companies based out of the US, based out of here. Let's take all these elements, and let's take Steve's, you know, let's say charisma, for the lack of a better word, <laughs> um, and, and drive, and let's become the middlemen between the world and the United States. Yeah. In, well, we, we, wanna be, we both want to be there. We both want, um, you know, for all those things that we, we talk about, it might come across, I don't know how it's going to sound on this, but it, it might, that's why I'm making sure it's it's clear that they're just challenges. They're just differences. You go to any country in the world, you go to the UK, you go to Germany, you're going to find these these um, differences in how people do business of and course. how people speak. Um, so, But it's funny, actually. Like, it's actually fun, I'm sure, to oh, work yeah. through some of the things. You're like, gee, that's a really strange way of doing it. Like, I wonder how it got to the here. Like, you're talking about having, like, middlemen in all these places. You're like, how did this person wriggle their way into this opportunity? And how can I do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, we've, got, we've got customers that, that always ask us about sending to Australia because a lot of people are fascinated by, by the country or the thought of, of being here. And we've done that for a few people um, and with our small sort of operation in Melbourne that we've got. But it, it goes the same way. They ask the same question. And we're like, well, you know, here's some of the challenges you're going to have yeah. um, with the people, how they operate um, and and how how we get things done and the, the IT or the banking and, and different things like that is, is all very different. Yeah, imagine trying to come over here and just set up a, a bank account from scratch and do all the things that I'm sure are just as painful in the US. Like just hitting the bureaucracy, like banging up against the wall of the bureaucracy. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's just step back a bit. Let's say when is it at what volume 
or okay, let, let, maybe you can fill out my question. Maybe you can articulate my question better than I can. When does it become worthwhile for an Australian company to talk to you about making a bit of a play? How, how much does it cost? Like what, what can they do for how much, how quickly? As soon as possible. You say that. <laughs> I feel that sales angle coming oh, through. It's uh, good. It's good. We, we Developing your sales skills. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most successful clients that we have are pretty well established pretty well established in Australia like they know you don't really want to be trialing yeah as businesses do with a product with sunglasses or with they have some level of success in the domestic market yeah and they've learned what their product actually is um, that, and so yes it's about sales it's about knowing what what products are gonna and, and then working out what products are going to work well over there. But they understand their brand position. They understand yes. their, their, their unique identifying markers of their product yeah, and, what they, and how to market their business. How they want to market, how they yeah. want to be perceived, what kind of ads they want to run. Where they fit in the pricing, their price sensitivity. All of that, that sort of thing, yeah. yeah. So that when you're at that level, uh, and we also work with a, uh, a person, uh, she's based in Brisbane, she's had businesses that she's um created in the US and she's amazing and so she she also helps us as well because sometimes we find clients and say look you're not ready and we get it say go talk to Jelaine and say hey and then she will um, help them get what they need to get ready and a lot of those things will be the compliance piece and the ingredients list yep. and those sorts of things yep. for, for a product like that so if you've got established you know what you're doing you want to take it on but you just you either don't have the time or you don't you don't Any idea know what, what to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that's that's really when you need to start talking to us. Because other other people have made it's not so much mistakes, but they've they've spoken to a lot of people. It's, some of them just fly over to the States. Yeah. We've had that before as well. Oh yeah, well we we flew over and just started walking into stores and talking to people. Um, and so we like to get in front of that, say yes, absolutely, come over to the trade fair shows, come over to speak to these distributors, but let's set it up, let us help you set up first, um, and go over with a plan. Interesting. Yeah, I love the idea of just turning up. That, that's sort people of, do it. Oh, of course and, they do. And it's uh, and it's it's not to say you shouldn't do. That. I mean, that their people are really fired up about. Saying oh, I want to go to the US, I'm going to, I'm just going to go over there, and it, it, it's a good idea to a certain point, um, but just depending on your product. I understand what you're saying. So it's like, well, if you want to go over there and like touch and feel, get a feel for the place, which is really, really useful if you're going to try and move into a new market. Like it's 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 one thing we've got our perceptions of a place, but until you put your feet down there, like it's really useful. But you're saying, well. Let's at least talk through some of the steps that you're going to need yeah. to launch, and then you can fly over, right? Let's let's at least get some things underway, because unless you actually just want a nice trip to a nice city in the US, which is fine, and this is a good excuse to do it, let's get some of the hurdles out of the way so that when you come here, you actually it's, it, there's more value for you once you know what you're yeah. looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what are I mean? Do you have a, off the top of your head mistakes that not mistakes, but avoidable decisions off the top of your head you can yeah, resolve? I, I think that once you've sort of said you're going to go to the US and it, you know, you've gone down the road a little bit, the, the two biggest things, two, yeah, two biggest things I think is uh, expecting that you're just going to put product in the States, put your, divert your website to a US site hmm. and people are just going to automatically start doing product. A lot of customers will ship to the US, a lot of Aussie brands from here, yeah. from Australia to the US. And they might have five, six, seven, ten orders a day, a week, whatever. And, and the expectation is, oh, well, we'll just put the stock in the States and then therefore distribute it will just it grow. From, and distribute it from there. Distribute it from there, but by doing that, it will just grow. So, you know, th there needs to be a commitment or an understanding that there needs to be money spent on advertising, on mm. driving mm. promotions. Mm. 
Um, and it doesn't always it doesn't doesn't need to be a million dollars a week. It just needs to be. You, you need to have an understanding that you have to put in a certain amount of money to drive a certain amount of outcome, because the market is great. It's big. It's huge. It's opportunity everywhere, but there's also a lot more competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you? So that's one of the things that we say. You know, how much money are you going to spend? Because you know, if it's this, this is the ex- return you're going to expect to get. Mm. Um, so you're getting to the point where you can, not quite, you know, digital agency level, but where you can go, right, if we spend this much here, I and mean, you've got your local partners, if we spend this much here, we could expect sales of X. Are you that far advanced um, You can, depending on the, I mean, that depends on the, the channel you're talking about. Is it Google? Is it Facebook? Is it Insta? Is it, you know, Amazon? Some of these things you can be a little bit better, more than, confident than to others. Predict, yeah, um, but we, I mean, we know we're starting to know now based on what people say they're going to spend, how much, you know, where they're going to sit in the volume range. Yeah. Um, so you sort of can. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what your data looks like in three or five years. That's going to be really interesting to see as you continue to build your knowledge, and the, and the markets change and new sales avenues come along and branding opportunities come like things change like where was TikTok five years ago didn't yeah. exist and now you know you can have a viral video for one product and sell a hundred thousand yeah. of them for zero dollars spend if you yeah. get it, if you if you thread that needle that magical needle well that that that's another one we've seen as well is that they think that they're going to just put a, a TikTok video out and it's going to work right and we have actually seen that at a awesome customer about to launch in the US Burley Wagon and they did this video and she never really anticipated she wasn't trying to go viral but it's gone nuts and that they actually got into the position where it went so nuts but they didn't have the product there. so they've been chasing <laughs> like manufacturing we've been working with them to try and get the product over there um, but that doesn't happen to everyone in every video you make um, and then the other one is a lot of, we've also learned that people put a lot of stock over into the States. Like, oh, I'm just going to send a hundred of everything, yeah. every item that they have yeah. um, and just fill a container and send it. Whereas we, we try and, it's not so much a trial, but at the start, we, we try and work with them to say, well, instead of every color, instead of, you know, seven different dresses or, you know. Choose sunglasses, whatever it is. 500 different different sunglasses. Why don't we start with 50 and start growing from there? Because we have seen, you know, equally customers that send over, you know, 50 pallets worth of product and yeah, they'll sell a few items reasonably well, but not all of them. Yeah. So it's a, Again, with some of these newer customers, we've learned that or we've learned from the st- from from other people what's happened to other people. Mm. I wouldn't really. It's not really a mistake. It's just you do it. No, and, you, and we've seen it and we've learned from that's it. A so judgment. We, yeah. yeah. So we now say to other people like, put some time and effort in thinking what, what products you should have. So you'd rather be like testing demand with enough stock to be useful. And then chasing with more stock, yeah. Than dumping stock and then trying to move it out, yes. Like taking up so it's that burly wagon has all these accessories in Australia. They've got umbrellas, they've got tables, they've mm-hmm. got holders, they've got you know, surfboard holders, and so they were really smart about. It and they said, well, what we're going to do is we're not going to offer all these accessories. We're going to offer like a bundle. So you pay an extra hundred dollars or whatever it is, and you get an umbrella and a table. We're not going to sell them separately initially, yep. and we're not going to carry seventeen different colours of umbrellas. We're not going to carry, you know. So they they were smart about saying, let's just go into the market with this. Yeah. And once we once you get customers saying, hey, I actually saw on your Australian website you've got a green umbrella. Can I get that? Or hey, I really just want the umbrella. I don't yep. want the pack. 
if you're stacking that feedback, it's really easy to Let change. Let the market tell you what to, yeah. But, but what's not easy to change is you've, you've ordered 10,000 umbrellas in 17 <laughs> different colors, <laughs> yes. and you've only sold black. Yeah. And you've got 9,000 of other umbrellas, and then you've got to, like you said, you've got to try and chase the demand and tell people, well, actually, you should. You don't want a black one, you really want a purple one. <laughs> you can have any color you want as long as it's green, you know? Like, we haven't got any black. I know you want black, but don't go anywhere else. Come have our green. Okay, all right. So, like, demand planning, stock planning is a big deal. Big deal. But you can, I mean, that that's your bread and butter. Like, you, can, you will be, in all reality, putting a handbrake on too much ambition people get over, overly excited and you'll be able to give them a strategy for that. That's not yeah. an issue. I mean, that's you've been doing that for 20 years. That's easy. Um, what's the first one again? Do you remember the first thing you said? Oh, spend. oh spending. Yeah, yeah. that's that, that's a really interesting one. Like Laura and I talk about this all the time. It's like, well, she's like, what's the marketing spend? I'm like, I don't want to spend anything on marketing. <laughs> and she's like, well, then no one's going to see it. Right? And I'm like, Damn. Don't get me wrong. We, as I said, Steve and I have products. We've had perceives done probably more of it than I have like you, no one wants to spend money like why would you want to um, it, it's really hard but and to not I mean how do you even build confidence in the person that you're spending it with like if you're using an agency of or course. whatever it takes a yeah. long time to build confidence and then there's the three month holiday with agencies where they're all pumped and excited and then you almost need a new one alright okay so we've run it near an hour here so I think I'm just going to slow it up because I know we've got other things to do but is there anything like you fulfill mate you know I'll, I'll put some links somewhere once I work out how to do it of where they can actually find you but fulfillmate.us fulfillmate um, and if you if you love that Aussie accent and you're in the States and you're hearing this these are the guys you need to talk to because uh, they'll get you into that gigantic Australian market as well that's really exciting US mate no, but the US guy thing coming into the gigantic Australian oh, market as yeah. well. Oh, sorry, direction. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because we're, you know, everyone's got heaps of cash over here for anyone listening in the US, and we all just want to buy your stuff. <laughs> so, is there anything like a, we we go through all of that and we say, is there like if we distill it down to some message, putting you on the spot here? Is there anything you leave us with today? I'm an Australian business. I'm thinking about it. Should I do it? And if I'm going to do it. What should I do first? You absolutely should do it. There's, there's really nothing but ambition and, and a, bit of, a bit of a challenge, you know, and working hard to get it. So there's it, any product. We haven't seen, I haven't spoken to anyone that has a product that we're like, oh, this ain't going to work. Yeah. In fact, usually it's the opposite. Um, so... I would say engaging people, try not to be too insular. Like, and by that I mean every, every company does it. I'm sure Steve and I do it sometimes as well. You sit there and you, you strategize. You say, this is what we need to do. Mm. Um, but don't be scared to reach out to people and, and bounce. You know, find out what people can do and how, how you can how you can get your products to the US, mm. um, where of course one of them, we would love it, you to talk to us, but there's a lot of information. Austrade, very um, helpful. Uh, like I said, the, the team at, at Grant Help is the company name. Mm. Um, and each of the state governments we're finding out has their own, just spoke to a Victorian government, you know, yeah. have their own incentives and their own things as well They've as sometimes the got people on the ground in these states. Like these, they do. The person we spoke to is is in San Francisco. He yeah, works with the Victorian government. Is, that is what a gig. That's so, like an ambassadorial gig, yeah. the dream. <laughs> yeah. So, you know that it's a really good time to earn US dollars. Yes. A really good time, and you you definitely can built-in margin. You definitely can capture the market. It's it's. Nothing's easy, so it's not easy, but it's not impossible. You it's think, not even. You think it's easier than people might think? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And like your first question, you know, did you think it was going to work? I mean, that's two guys that really were in the industry. We were like these brands going, well, this probably won't work. Yeah. So we're 
you know, we want to put... You're as surprised as anyone. Like, you're not surprised because you know your capabilities, you and Stephen. Like, I've known you both for a very long time. You're both very, very good at what you do. Um, so that's no, it's no surprise to me that through graft and grind and hard work that you make it work. But it's like, if you say three years ago, we're in three locations and we have a distribution network and we have our, 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 our suppliers and we have our partners and we've worked through all these crazy <laughs> regulatory things, state by state, and we know all this stuff. Like we actually, like you think, imagine if three years ago you just decided not to accelerate and, and really push into it. Like think about what you can do. Like yeah. When you put your foot down and go, we're doing this. We're not doing stupid. We're not sending 50 ships over there today and loading the joint up and, and, and expecting, like we're going to do it step by step, but we're going to do it. And the time's going to pass anyway. So you might as well, if it's, if it's niggling at you and you've got a stable business that's, you know, that you, you understand your product, you understand your brand, you understand your margins, your manufacturing is, is well handled, like you know your supply yeah. chain, you have some understanding of your supply chain, then let's go and take on the frontier. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, um, and all the, all the partners that we've made the mistakes of talking to manufacturers that we thought were good and haven't, haven't turned out to be agencies have let other client you know people down that we know and we've tested these things yeah. um, and so when we when we've got a manufacturer that says we say they can make that product then they we it's we're, proven we're very confident we've referred people to them that they can do you've it you've seen that they physically can do it all right well i think we'll leave it there um fulfillmate.us fulfillmate i love it um don't lose that aussie accent because that's pretty much your whole currency in the us Oh, you're from Australia, mate. I don't think there's any chance of me no. losing it. Steve lost his Steve Steve, he doesn't, he's still got the accent. He struggles now when I talk in kilometres and, and Celsius. It's been there too long. Um, it's been institutionalised. <laughs> <laughs> but that's useful because he's dealing stateside a lot of the time. So, you know, they don't want to hear kilometres either. Or kilos. And I'm like, oh, it's 20 kilos. He's like, how much is that again? Is that? And I'm Top like, pounds. oh, my God. Come on, man. Help you, me out you, here. We've lost you. <laughs> <laughs> well, fulfil, mate get it done and uh, you're back jetting off again so I reckon we'll check in again in six months and see uh, see what's happening then thanks for having me peace